What is faith? We've been looking at that as we've uh, looked at Mark in recent weeks. Uh, we saw last week that uh, faith had to trust Jesus completely, even though when uh, Jairus had devastating news, her daughter was dead. And uh, news that should have said, give up, go home, it's all over. And he had to trust Jesus. And he saw a mighty work of God as a result of that. What is faith? Faith is not, you know, it's so easy to think, uh, for me and all of us, to think faith is something in me. Faith is uh, how I feel, how confident I am, how strong I am. You know, it's something, something to do with me. That's what uh, I you know, naturally sort of think about faith. But faith isn't to do with me. Faith is to do with a person, the person of Jesus, who he is and what he's done and looking to him. And faith, yes, faith requires a response from me and a response from you. But it's based in Jesus and it finds its strength and power in Jesus, not ourselves. Let's have a look and understand this because today we're going to see a woman who's been struggling with life for 12 years. And she's just worn out, run down, weakened, depressed. She's desperate for a solution to a miserable life. And she's going to show us faith, faith in Jesus that reaches out to him. But also in this account, we're going to see Jesus requires something from her. Let's have a look at what that is as we look at this story. Mark chapter twenty, Mark chapter 5, verses 24. Uh, this woman's been bleeding for 12 years. We think it's probably some sort of menstrual bleeding. It's not said what it is. But in fact, in Leviticus, it says that any sort of bleeding um, in the doesn't stop, that uh, just keeps going, uh, you need to isolate a person for health issues. It's a bit like an isolation ward in a hospital. I uh, didn't have that in the community. They used to put people who had rashes or things that they couldn't understand what they were, that could be something. They had to take time out uh, and see what happened and see if it developed and see if it uh, was life-threatening. And they were regarded as unclean while they were doing that, so people couldn't mix with them as a way of isolating people. And uh, it wasn't as though um, when this happened that they couldn't uh, get help from people. In fact, the Israel, Israelite nation had an obligation. If someone was sick or in need, you had to provide them with food. You had to make sure they had shelter. You had to look after them. That was incorporated in what they were to do. But we're sitting here. She's got something that's unnatural. It's an unknown medical condition. And it wouldn't happen to us, would it? I mean, this seems like wrong that she's regarded as unclean and separated. I mean, we'd go get checkups, we'd get diagnosed, we'd get treatment. That wouldn't happen to us, would it? And rightly so. But in fact, in two-thirds of the world today, it does happen. Because two-thirds of the world does not have the adequate medical services and treatments we do. Things are undiagnosed and there are problems that result for people from that. But this rule in the Bible was to try and help society to avoid um, medical, increasing medical issues. But it meant that this woman couldn't go into the synagogue. And the synagogue was the centre of the community life. She couldn't go to the services. She couldn't meet with people. And it, in fact, it was a social disruption, a social barrier. All her relationships were broken and affected by this. Also, if you've been bleeding for 12 years, you're going to get just worn out, run down. Your iron levels are going to be in huge trouble. You're going to be, you're going to be feeling miserable in yourself physically. 
So she's in a desperate and wretched state as she comes to Jesus. She'd even suffered, it says in verse 26, she said she suffered a great deal by doctors. Look what it says. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, in fact, even the Jewish Talmud today has certain remedies and and, uh, treatments for medical conditions. And they were then. There were certain treatments. And she'd spent all she had to try and get better. In fact, she got worse. And so now she comes to Jesus. She's a broken woman. Nothing left in the tank. She doesn't feel any strength or confidence in herself. And look what she wants to do, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she heard about him. What did she hear? Did she hear all the miracles of healing he's been doing over and over, all sorts of people, all sorts of conditions? Did she hear how she he transformed the, the demonic man just before that and other people with, with demons, people that were out of their minds, she transformed them. He transformed them back to a full and healthy life. Did she hear the teaching that Jesus was saying about repent and believe and and the parable of the sower and other teaching about calling people to respond to God? Whatever she heard, it meant that she came looking to Jesus. She came up behind him, it says in the crowd, and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Just touch him. Not even for him to recognise she's there. Jairus, the the story that's happening around this, the one we looked at last week, Jairus was pleading with Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter who was dying. Then when his daughter died, Jesus said, okay, trust me. And Jairus has to, and Jesus goes and, and she's healed, but he lays his hands on her. But here, it's not even laying hands on Jesus. It's just touching his clothes. It's sort of one step more removed again with what faith is or how faith works. And look what happens when she does. Immediately, verse 29. She touched his clothes. Immediately her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she'd been freed from her suffering. She knows straight away she's been transformed physically. She can feel it. Now she's she's gone from being run down to having a normal energy left. Wow. Look, life's, life's life again. I can live. I'm set free. She feels it in herself. And it hasn't been the the quantity of her faith. It hasn't been that she had a a great ability to to trust in Jesus, a great ability to rely on Jesus, a great ability of confidence in Jesus, a great ability of whatever. She only had a little bit. But it was the direction of her faith. It wasn't to herself. It wasn't to a community, a, a church, a religious group. It was to the person of Jesus. It's the direction of her faith. He's powerful. She's weak. He's powerful. And all she did was depend on him, trust in him. And see, faith acts. And faith trusts completely in the person of Jesus. 
Sometimes people say they trust, but they don't. Sometimes people have this knowledge in their head of things being true and right, and, and then when it comes to reality, their heart doesn't say the same thing. They lose heart. They deny. I've told the story before, but there's a typewriter walker in the 30th of June, 1859. Famous typewriter walker, an American named Blondin. He decided he would walk across Niagara Falls, be the first one ever to walk across Niagara Falls. So he strung a rope across Niagara Falls. It was a huge rope. It was so huge that it sagged in the middle. They had some stays on it to try and uh, hold it still on either end, but in the middle it just swayed around. There was a lot of wind there, a lot of breeze, a lot of spray from the massive falls. All people came to watch him because he was so famous and they're watching. What were they watching for? To see him fall. Why do you watch car races to see the crashes? You know? Yeah. And so they're waiting to watch him fall. But he goes out in the middle of this swaying rope and he gets right in the middle, which is the worst part. You think he'd hurry through the middle and get over. No, he stops in the middle. He lowers a rope down to there's a there's a ship that goes up to the bottom of the falls for tourists called the Maid of the Mist. And it comes underneath, he lowers it down, he gets a bottle tied to the end of his rope, he pulls it all up, and he has a drink of his bottle and refreshes himself. And then he walks on. Before he gets over the other side, he decides to do a backward somersault just to show how good he is. He gets over there. Everyone's going, wow, that's great. Hang on, not over yet. So he gets a wheelbarrow and takes a wheelbarrow across, loaded up. He also did it manacled. He also did it blindfolded for parts of it. This guy is just unbelievable. People just go, wow, what's he going to do next? There's a group of reporters there. The story goes that he was asking the reporters, do you think I could have taken someone in my wheelbarrow? Yes, yes, we've seen you do it with a wheelbarrow with a bag of potatoes. We know you can do it with a person. No problem. The problem is then he couldn't get anyone to get in the wheelbarrow. Not the reporters, not anyone in the crowd. No one would get in the wheelbarrow. They'd all seen him do it. They knew he could do it. But they wouldn't trust their life to him. And we've got to be more than that. We don't have to walk across the tightrope. We've got to trust our life to Jesus. And not just know it in our mind, yes, he can, but also know it in our heart. And give him the control of our life. Surrender to Jesus. Trust him completely. Sometimes we can, you know, do you ever do it? I do it too. You sometimes you trust a bit, but you hold back, you know, and you, you have a little bit out there, but you hold back. And you wonder why it's not working. And then other times you get so smashed up, you give up, you say, oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm not, I'm not. You, you give in to yourself and then you pray and you trust God completely and suddenly the blooming obvious is there in front of you or things change and it goes forward. You ever experienced that? Trust and trust completely is what we're called to do in Jesus this has happened to the woman. She's healed. End of story. No, it's not. Look what happens now. There's something else that happens that's really important. Jesus says at verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You know, the disciples say, come on, Jesus, everyone's touching you. You're the celebrity. You know, everyone's touching you, Jesus. You know, and Jesus insisted, no, no, who touched me? And they, they go, what do you mean? And this woman's there. Because Jesus kept looking around in verse 32, verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened, 
to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told the whole truth. This is a big thing for this woman. She's been healed. Yeah, let's keep this a private thing. I've been bleeding for 12 years. I've been socially isolated. I've been loathed by people. You know, I'm right now, but oh dear, let's keep it a private. But Jesus insisted that it comes out. And in front of all these men, and women in that culture don't talk in front of men anyway, but she's got to talk, but she's also got to talk about a problem and what's happened. But what's going on here? Why is Jesus insisting this happens? Why couldn't it just happen quietly and she goes off and goes home and she's thankful for Jesus and he knows what's happened and it's all over? Why is this taking place? Verse 34, Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith. Yes, it's me, but it's not just me. It's not just touching my clothes because everyone's touching my clothes, but only one person got healed. It's your faith connected to me that's made the difference. The two have come together and this miraculous thing's happened. And he says to her, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And this is the important part. This is assuring this woman that she's now freed from this condition. It's not going to come back. She's now got a new life to live because of what Jesus Christ has done in her. She's now got God's peace and that is so precious to her. She's had 12 years of no peace. 12 years of anxiety and worry and fear, day in and day out. And now she's got God's peace, knowing that in Jesus she's a new person. You see, behind this is not just that she's got some faith and she gets healed, but she's a person who's responded to who Jesus is, God made man. She's responded to him and, and sought his help. She surrendered herself to him. And that's been going on in her mind and her heart as she's come to Jesus and reached out to touch him. And Jesus knows that. It also shows here that followers of Jesus are called to do it publicly. We're not to be closet Christians. We're not people who just don't tell anyone we follow Jesus. And why is that? And how is that going to look like for us today? I mean, obviously, you could take home from this, you know, if I get sick, I can pray to Jesus and he can heal me and he can do it instantly. It doesn't really matter how bad it is. And that's true. But it's not true it'll happen every time. Because Paul had a problem and we don't know what it was and he prayed and prayed and prayed and didn't go away. And Paul's Paul, the apostle, great one of God. If it didn't go away, he then concludes it was there so he would rely more on God and, and in his weakness he'd be strong and he'd rely on Jesus and, and for him it became a, a positive thing even though it was a troubling thing. And so it should be for us is an ongoing thing. So there can be healings and there can be instant healings, but what else does it mean for us today? It means, yes, Jesus is Lord of all. We've been reading that in the last few passages. Lord of everything. Lord of over this illness here, over death previously, over uh, nature, natural forces, over people out of their minds, demonic powers. Jesus is Lord of everything. There's nothing that's not under his control. 
And that's the person we're called to see. That's the person we're called to trust. That's the person we're called to reach out in faith and say, I surrender all. I want to follow you. I want to rely on you. But there's also the confession side of this. How do we confess Jesus? Do we need to confess Jesus? I mean, it says in... Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we if we're living a life of following Jesus, surrendering to him, we'll have a hope that exists in us that when life is falling around for people around us, life is horrible and people get anxious and worried and fearful, we've got that peace of God that exists in us because we have a hope in Jesus. And people would rightly say, hang on, how come you aren't worried? How come you aren't upset? How come you're different? They'd rightly ask that question. And we're told in 1 Peter chapter 3, well, tell them about Jesus. But do it with gentleness and respect. Tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus and why we have that hope. You've only got to think back to Easter for that reason. That's confession, but it is more than that. This passage is not saying that we are to just be doing that all the time. This passage has got something more fundamental because when this woman confessed, she had an assurance of this new life that she had. Assurance of God's peace. Assurance the problem wasn't coming back. How do we get assurance with confession? You do it every Sunday. You've done it today. When we gather together, what do we do? Do we talk about Jesus Christ being our Lord and Saviour? Do we sing about it? Do we say about it? Do we confess our sins? Do we pray about it? The whole time we come together is all about Jesus being our Lord and Saviour. And that's not just something we do for the sake of doing it. We do it because we want to remind ourselves and keep resubmitting to Jesus. And when we remind ourselves, we need to remember also the assurance we have as we do that. We have peace with God. We have a new life with God in Jesus Christ. We are his children, God's children. We have a God who's with us. No matter when we go out of here and go away and back to the daily lives, we are still God's people. And this reminds us as we meet together, as we meet in our small groups, as we meet in all our ministries, it keeps reminding us we're God's people. We're saved by Jesus. We've got peace with God. We've got hope for the future. And that idea of confessing as we say things about Jesus together just keeps reinforcing to us who we are, what's going in life, where we're going. And I don't know about you, but I need that. i got so much out there coming at me in the media, in life around, just says bad things, horrible things. Sometimes I wish on the news there'd be some good things, but there's so many bad things happening. I need to keep being reminded I belong to Jesus. I've got a great hope for the future. Life can, be, life can be bad, but I still belong to Jesus and I'm still protected by Jesus. And even though things physically go wrong and life can be challenging, I belong to Jesus. And to keep being assured of that is a real good thing for me. What about you? And so the whole thing about faith is going to completely trust Jesus. And let's be people who keep confessing we belong to Jesus and we're looking forward to what he's going to bring in our lives. Now we talked about Hawkesbury Show coming up. What a great opportunity to do this. What a great opportunity to talk about Jesus. What a great opportunity to share the hope that we have 
in Jesus Christ with the people we're going to meet at the Hawkesbury show. And let's do it with gentleness and respect. Let's be nice and kind. But let's be people who are not closet Christians. Let's give Jesus the credit for what he's done in our lives. Just the way this woman was called to give the credit to Jesus for what had happened in her life. Let's be people who do that also. Let's do it with joy and thanksgiving. Let's do it with a grateful heart. Let me pray. God, we thank you for what you've done in each of our lives, for all of us who know Jesus, that transformation from being lost in sin, lost in evil, and in perilous danger of judgment, to being set free, forgiven, given a new life, a wonderful life, a, a hope for the future based on the resurrection of Jesus, that we're never alone, that we belong to your family. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in us. And give us that corresponding joy and enthusiasm for life that comes from that. Help us to understand this new life that we have in Jesus, of what that means, of how we now look at things around us. And Lord, we pray that we might confess you by all that we say and do and live to your glory. Amen.